Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Talk Murder to Me. On the last episode, we talked about the toolbox killers Lawrence Spitaker and Roy Norris. John went into some extremely graphic detail about one of their hitchhiking victims, discussed the MO, and the upbringing of Lawrence Spitaker. Tonight, we are focusing more on the sexual deviancy of this killer duo, especially that of Roy Norris, and a few of the most vile and extreme murders in California history. So now I'm taking you to June 24th, 1979. We're going to the Pacific Coast Highway in Redondo Beach. Oh, that's such a pretty road. Have you ever driven no, that? No, I've, oh, I've only been gorgeous. to the airports. You know what's Coast. close to there? Huh? Buca de Bibo. Buca de Bibo. <laughs> Buca de Bibo. All right, so for you guys on YouTube, I'm doing the Google Earth right now. Ooh, We're going great. to California right there on Redondo Beach. I would like to go. Maybe we should do uh, a tricked-out van and and go to California. A, a 1977 uh, GMC van, like yeah, they have. exactly, so, or like a VW bus. So uh, the Google Earth here that you're seeing, I kind of uh, I, I jump back out of here because I'll try to get on a, the main highway because this is where the killers Lawrence and Roy Norris are picking up their victims on this strip right here. Now this is current day, so it doesn't look as like it did in 1978, but you get the point. It's the main highway. Was it like less industrialized? I mean, yeah, yeah, less, I mean everywhere was less industrialized. But also, let me zoom out right quick. I want to show you where they're dumping bodies. So I'm going to zoom out, and I'm a little drunk. It was obviously in the morning time, so 10 a.m. What are you um, talking? What are you doing <laughs> while I'm working during the day? All right, I'm so concerned. so I zoomed out here because I want you guys to see where they're dumping bodies. Hawaii? You see, you see, Buka de Bibo. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Did you put that in there on purpose? <laughs> no, that was it's was like his pastor. Save, oh save from last episode. If we but, do go skip west because we have to go to Pea Soup Andersons, they have the best pea soup ever. All right, so this is where they're deciding to dump the bodies, and this was Lawrence Bedeker's suggestion. The San Gabriel Mountains is a actually a heavy dumping site for serial killers working at this time they all dump their bodies out there quote working i love how you use i love i mean I, lo- I love seeing that in and all the uh, true crime books i read they, they always say They're serial working. killers are working i mean it is their job and a lot of them it is because they actually rob the the people too so it is their profession true but does it pay out well Jen's considering a career change. Considering <laughs> 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 how educators get paid. Uh, how can uh, I supplement my income? Other than this podcast. Yes. All right. So right now I'm taking you to the very first murder. So the beginning of the podcast episode, I took you to the very last. Now I want, I want to show you the progression, the escalation of violence and torture. So... In order to do that, we're going to go to the very first. And things are a lot simpler on the first. They're not as gruesome, let's hope. Who you're looking at right now is Lucinda Lynn Schaefer. If you want to try to guess her age. 17. I was going to say 19, yeah. She is 16 years old. Okay. And I'll talk about this a little later, but when the... uh, the murder duo Lawrence and Roy got together. 
they decided, I mean, because they, they literally sat down and have a, and had a powwow. Okay, I think we should get a van. Yo, dude, let's get a van. Let's trick it out with all this torture stuff inside. And let's go pick up these girls and rape and torture them. So what they thought in their head, and this is what they, they decided. They decided this. They wanted to rape and torture and murder a female from the age of 13 to 17. That they, they wanted to hit every age. 13, 14, 15, <gasps> 16, 17. Like the fucking what? fact that they, yeah, they, they had the plan to do that. They wrote this out and planned this so, is just so you so when they're looking for victims, it's important to know that they're actually saying, how how old do you think she is? You think she's over eighteen? Because you know we're, we're trying to get a seventeen year old here. Would we we ask, don't have a seventeen year old yet. We need a seventeen year old. Would they ask their victims how old they were? Um, and it, well, they didn't actually line up exactly with that plan, but they got pretty close. And I, I guess they did ask. And, you know, Which I mean, you. Uh, you, you may lie if you're the girl. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm older than I... Well, today you certainly would. Yeah. So this is actually the first murder that they've done together. Now, they've had a bunch of dry runs, quote, dry runs, which is proven they did pick up all these women because they found, the authorities found 500 Polaroid, over 500 polaroid photos of different women and a lot of them weren't murdered they were just picked up and the ruse was hey we got a van it's the 70s we got some weed you look like you're 16 you're mad at your dad you want to smoke some weed we're going to the beach kind of shit you know what i'm saying come on in that's kind of the ruse. So when when they when you say the like their dry runs, did yeah. they rape them too no, and just no, no, not no, no. murder, they, or did they, they just, just pick literally pick them up? They said they had twenty, which is probably pretty accurate. They had twenty, just picked them up and then smoked weed, dropped them back off at the beach. It's like crazy, you know. But they were trying to get used to that. Now this was a shotgun game to them. So what I mean by that is. They approached hundreds of girls and only a few got in. And even uh, half of their victims that they actually killed didn't even get in, which we're going to talk about mm -hmm. willingly. They, they were actually like forced in, forced in or shoved in. And that's the beauty of having the murder Mac van with the sliding door. Because, I mean, you saw in like... um movies where this van pulls up a sliding door opens and then they pull them in yeah, yeah and you just pull mm -hmm. the victim right in and just keep driving it's pretty perfect for that you know abduction technique anyway who you're looking at now is lucinda lynn Sch uh, schaefer she's 16 years old she is blonde and you know who she reminds me of yeah uh meg something um, the actress. Were you gonna say Meg Ryan? No, I was thinking of the girl. Oh, a little that, Meg Ryan. I was gonna say uh, whoever plays um in uh the in the Kill Bill or something. No, the the um in the Met uh the the one that's in Sunny. It's always oh, Sunny. Oh 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 yeah. Uh, D D. Yeah, you don't think it's more Meg Ryan though? I do see Meg Ryan. I yeah, do. I was thinking Meg Ryan. So she is, I, I mean, both. you know, I, I don't want to say it, but 16 years old, she's very pretty blonde. She has, her eyes are kind of, um, she kind of looks like an old soul to me. She's, the photo you're seeing now, she's actually fishing. She's got her leg up. She's 
very young, happy looking. Feathered hair. Feathered. What does that mean? Feathered hair. The fair faucet look. Yeah. Blonde. Yeah, blind. She's, um, you know. So this is her, Lucinda Lynn Schaefer. Not much is uh, on these victims. I mean, this girl was sixteen. How much is going to be available? So much life for her. Left to you live. know, honestly, like I, I look up all these victims. I want to find stuff, but there's, there's nothing. So you know, the girl that I was talking about. I don't know her name, but she's also in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, she plays Cheryl's sister. But I would say she looks like a Meg Ryan to me. She yeah. she has that that face. The eyes are kind of spread out a little bit. High cheekbones. High cheek. Yeah, high cheekbones. Um, smiling. Um, anyway, she's walking on the highway, hitchhiking. Obviously, a van pulls up. The van, the murder, the murder Mac van pulls up. She actually refused the ride. Oh, okay. The what? van parks down the road because. I mean, she's the proper age. They don't have a, I mean, this is the first, but you know, they, they want to start. Okay. Let's get a 16 year old. We know she's 16. So she says, no, thank you. And then they drive forward and then park later, like yeah, along her so, path. Yeah. They, they drive a few blocks down and then uh, Norris actually gets out and he pretends to work on the van. Oh my God. is something's with the carbonator broke or whatever. He's like got the hood up. You know, the hood up, you working on it. And then as soon as she walks by, they just literally just push her in. Because that's all you got to do is just push her in. The side door opens up. So they push her in, and that's it for her. So Lucinda is instantly gagged. The radio is turned up per the MO. Bitteker drives toward the San Gabriel Mountains. And the photo you're seeing now, I can put it on talkmore.com, is just a regular photo of the San Gabriel Mountains. You see it's kind of desolate. There's lots of places to, to be. There's lots of places to have a van and rape someone without anyone coming up type of thing. Mm. Now, Norris was the first to rape Lucinda. And here's how they would do it. They, they pull up to the San Gabriel Mountains, isolated, no one's there, off the beaten path. Let's say Norris is going to rape first. Bitteker says, all right, you know, you got an hour. He gets out. He walks around the perimeter. He makes sure no one's coming. He makes sure no one, no one's in the vicinity. And he kind of keeps an eye out. He gives Norris about an hour to, to rape. And then he comes back. And then when Norris is finished, they basically switch spots then Norris goes out, he takes a break and smokes a cigarette, whatever, walks around, makes sure no one's there. And they basically just switch spots raping the victim. I mean, it's it's fucking crazy. It's, cra it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, no, no, it is fucking disgusting because, I mean, you know, it, it's crazy to, to find a story where t two people are just so on the same fucking page of doing this is just kind of ridiculous it's weird how they like found each how did they find each other yeah i'll tell you in a second here like that's weird yeah like i feel like if you like obviously this is not a real situation but like you talk to your best friends it's like hey like this is what i'm thinking about doing do you feel the same way and you'd be like what the fuck is wrong with you you know like if i told you nicole like hey by the way i'm 
I having these thoughts about like murdering someone and like, like abusing someone. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Like no, that's not something that happens normally. But I would think. Hopefully. All right. So if you want to read this, this is actually from the same appeal, Bitteker, uh, People versus Bitteker, nineteen eighty nine. This is there's not much on this case available, unfortunately. But this document kind of describes everything that happened. So if you want to read this. When they arrived at the fire road in the mountains, Norris raped Schaefer while defendants stood lookout. The defendant raped her, then Norris a second time. She asked Norris if the men intended to kill her and asked for time to pray before they did. Norris, however, assured her that she would not be killed. That was a lie. So as Bitteker, as they get back and decide to kill her, Bitteker holds down Lucinda. Norris actually tries to strangle her, but he's he couldn't do it. He's too weak. This is remember this is the first murder. He's too weak to strangle her, not with a coat hanger, with his hands. He's like it's not working. They've never killed anyone. Right. N- neither one of them has ever killed anyone. So this is like the test. Like okay, and and it's fucked up because she said okay, I know you're gonna kill me. You've been raping me, and this wasn't she wasn't getting the pliers in the vagina stuff like that but it was one guy would rape her for an hour another guy would come and rape her for an hour then they would switch over and over and over so eventually she's like if you decide to kill me just let me pray first because actually i forgot to mention this she was actually coming home from a a bible meeting Mm. which is you know things happen to the best people type of thing but she was coming home from a bible meeting when she got uh and that, that's actually why she refused the ride to begin with, because they did offer her marijuana. And she's mm. like, well, you know, she I'm a Christian. Do I don't yeah. do that. So anyway, she said, just if you kill me, and I'm sure it's not like that. It's like, oh, my God, if you if you kill me, just please let me pray so I can get right with the Lord. They said and they agreed. OK, yeah, we'll let you pray. Obviously, they didn't. Bitteker holds down Lucinda. Norris tries to strangle her. He's never killed anyone in his life. He's choking her. <laughs> She's not dying because he's too weak to to do it. Uh, Bitteker actually tried as well to strangle her. He couldn't do it either. Then that's when they got the coat hanger. And then the coat hanger now is going to be the MO. Mm-hmm. They had a coat hanger just in their van. They're like, hey, try this. Put it around her neck and twist it. That's basically what they did. Like Jen said, they take the bottom, pull it out, put it over their neck and start twisting with pliers till it gets tight, tight, tight. And then eventually it cuts off the uh, air circulation there. And then they they basically just tossed her right down the embankment there, like it was nothing, just straight down. And, and the, one of the reasons they chose the San Gabriel Mountains, and remember this is Bitteker, the one with the high IQ. Right. They chose this, the uh, the mountains because well, well, tell me a reason. They, tell me a couple of reasons you you would choose the mountain. Well, but besides you know the, isolation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, what else? Uh, well, I mean, normally, you know, people will will hike up, but like if you throw her into a valley or something, you may not be able to. You may not see the body. Yeah, that's a good point. What about the remains? Oh, oh, animals. There you mm-hmm. go. Boom. Uh, that was one of the main reasons of the animals. They wanted the animals to scatter the remains, mm-hmm. which is smart. And a lot of people and a lot of serial killers use the mountains for that reason. 
All right, so this is a picture right here of Roy Norris. Look at this spread out he's got. <laughs> There's like a, a peanut Hustlers. butter jar. <laughs> Hustlers, guns. Gun? He's got a marijuana. big bag of weed. He's got a, oh, that is a huge bag yeah, of weed. Yeah, that's. That's this some is, oregano right this there. He's got it made in the shade, man. Actually, yeah. So Norris, the the reason they got caught, which I'll talk about here in a second, is because he was selling weed. So that is a huge bag of weed. I didn't notice that. It was a good call. I'll put this uh, photo on talkmore.com. There's a pistol there. It looks kind of like a Glock. And it's kind of, kind of hard to see, but he's got... Uh, what is the other stuff? Playboy Hustler? Yeah, Hustler. Oh, that's a Hustler. Peter Pan... Peter, Peter Pan, Pan peanut, yeah, butter. Pan, oh, peanut butter. Oh, shit. Good call, Jen. <laughs> bread. Like Wonder Bread. It's a, it's a weird selfie to... to uh, it's a selfie before selfies that, were like a, a thing. like a calculator? What is that yeah. over there? A T-84? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird fucking... And he's smiling and he's got this his... This is my middle school picture. He's now. got a, totally. a blue shirt on and... It doesn't look like he's wearing any pants either. <laughs> <laughs> it's blurred. Oh, my, oh my God. Oh, my God, Jen. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. I think that he's is a that is a thigh. Oh my God. It's really weird. Jim, I think you're right. He's wearing a onesie or he's not wearing pants. Like, he's not wearing pants, Jen. So, yeah. He's it's, not wearing it's pants. It's really weird. <laughs> I mean, why would you take... I mean, who is he trying... To, who's his audience here? Who's his target audience? I don't know. What is <laughs> this got, picture from? He's got a huge bag of weed, which I am fucking jealous. I'm trying to look closer <laughs> into the picture, honestly. <laughs> I'm trying to look closer at his... His balls. junk, <laughs> the blur, his pubis, and he's got his making this weird fist. Go talk more.com. See, this is very uh, interesting for sure. Anyway, uh, Roy Norris, born February 5th, 1948. Both the mother and father not only did not want to be married, but they didn't want a kid. Oh, and at this time, 1948, you know, if it's you're a gonna have either. a kid. You better be married. Right. Type of thing. Yeah. So they had to get married. But the thing is, they told him repeatedly that they did not want him. That's terrible. Yeah. It's hard. So he was placed in foster care and he would go back and forth between the parents and the foster care, several families, including one Hispanic. Hispanic family, and this is really important, that sexually abused mm. him and physically abused him, which makes sense because he is the deviant. He's a sexual deviant. It's Roy what? Norris. He's a deviant. And that's terrible, the fact that there are people in the foster system that only abuse, like they are only there for malintent. Like, I'm sure it's it's still a problem today, maybe not as big as it was, but like, like you want to give a kid at home, and and then you like abuse that. I just don't. Yeah. It's it's terrible. Well, so what I saw in this case is, and I guess it's kind of like this today. Maybe if you're a foster home, you get paid by the state per child. You do. So you basically just hoard them in there, and then the father or, or you know the man of the house is probably a dr maybe a drunk, and he's just sexually abusing them kind of type of thing but it, here's it the just, thing you should be using those funds to pay for the child no i i get it but i mean people aren't like you i mean people no. are, people are shitty and he unfortunately got involved in a shitty foster home 
and a Hispanic foster home, which is he'll have a a hatred for Hispanic people. Really? Throughout his because he was abused there. Yeah, exactly. Huh. So February fifth, nineteen forty eight, he was born. His immediately placed in foster care, abused, as I said, by a Hispanic family. Back and forth between the foster home and parents' home. He actually had no food or no clothes whatsoever. He was extremely mistreated and sexually abused multiple times. Um, by 16, this is 1964 when he was 16, he was accused by an older woman of attempted rape. Because that's what he like what grew up with type of thing? He thought that was acceptable? Yeah, so, so this woman apparently from what I saw was 20 something. He was in her presence. She accused him of rape. He tried to avoid getting the beating from his father because remember he's back and forth between foster and his real parents. He steals his father's truck drives to the Rocky mountains and he attempts to kill himself. Mm. And this is crazy. I've, We've only discussed this one time, but he actually tries to kill himself by injecting air into his arteries Oh, so ivo pope there yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so he tried to kill himself with injecting air straight into his veins interesting way for a a suicide i feel like you don't hear about that yeah as a method of killing yourself i mean it's definitely a way to get away with murder but yeah so very effective for murder um if, if you're you know in the market so he was arrested by police. He actually joined the Navy when he was 17 as an electrician. Now, he wasn't a high IQ. This is the uh, the kind of more low IQ of the two, but the more sexually active one. He joins the Navy as an electrician. He was stationed in San Diego, San Diego, the Wells oh, Vagina. Wales. <laughs> He was deployed. I fucking love that movie. Can we watch that movie later? <laughs> Absolutely. He was he was deployed to Vietnam, but he never saw combat. He was only there for four months. There, he got addicted to heroin and marijuana, which I remember uh, a couple of guys got really addicted to heroin over in Afghanistan. Really? I mean, dude, I remember this one guy. Like, I just got at this like a uh, a little base, if you want to call it that. And this kid, he was like 22, and he was like, "Yo, you wanna, you wanna come party with us?" I mean, and there was like no one at the base, but this dude, I feel bad because he was such a cool kid, but you could tell he was like injecting this shit that they found in the fucking Afghan fucking mountains, the poppy seeds and shit. I Ugh. mean, it was just like, dude, fuck. That makes me want bagels. It was like, no, not really, bro. I'm, you know, I gotta go fucking kill all these people, but maybe later type of shit. Ooh. I, I mean, you know, I, I felt bad. I don't know where he's at now. I kind of thought about him earlier, but at 21, this is 1969. He starts attacking women, and he was actually discharged from the Navy for psychological disorders. At the age of 21, he forced his way into a taxi, which was operated by a female at the time. He attempts to rape her. He was arrested and charged with rape, assault, and attempt to commit rape. At 22, he attacks another woman at her home. He actually walks up to the door, tries to solicit, hey, I'll clean your blinds. 
I'll sell you some fucking magazines. And he tries to force his way in, attempts to rape her. Luckily, the police shows up. And before he could harm her, that was 22 years old. So you see the difference between him and Bitteker. Yeah. He is, I mean, this guy, holy shit. At 22, he tried to rape another young female student at San Diego State University. He actually hits her over the head uh, with a rock, Ted Bundy style, hits her over the head with a rock. And she fell, She falls down. She bashed and he starts, he takes her by the, uh, the scruff of the neck, the, uh, the hair of the neck and starts bashing her head in the sidewalk. Oof. I mean, this is attempted murder mm. right here. Yeah, sounds like and, it. And uh, for whatever reason, he was only charged with assault with a deadly weapon, with the rock. He got five years for that in, at, I can't say this prison name. Atascadero State Hospital. Atascadero? Atascadero State Hospital. A psych evaluation said that he was, quote, severe schizoid personality, end quote, released on five years probation in 1975. Three months later, he he attacked a 27-year-old woman walking home in Redondo Beach. He offered her a ride on her motorcycle, and he actually twisted a scarf around her neck as he tried to rape her. And he dragged her into bushes. He was sent to California Men's Colony, where he met Bitteker at uh, at California Men's Colony. A little bit uh, about the, the the couple here. You have a sex offender. You have Roy Norris, who is a sex offender, who is a target. And then you have Bitteker, Lawrence Bitteker, which is not a sex offender. But for some reason, they click. Maybe they're talking and, and they have some things in common. And then Bitteker actually saves Roy Norris at least twice, from what I saw, from getting beaten by fellow inmates because they don't like sex offenders. Right. And we all know that. Yeah. Roy Norris is about to be bashed by like three or four different inmates. And then Bitteker, Lawrence Bitteker, sticks up for him for whatever reason. They have, I don't know, whatever in common. He just doesn't want to see it. Eventually, when he sticks up for him about twice, maybe more, they form this weird friendship. Remember, Bitteker is the guy that he likes to rob and, you know... My family left me. I kind of got to make up for it. I'm Mm going to kind of cause destruction. Right. Then you have Roy Norris, which is like my family sexually assaulted me. My foster parents, they raped me. Now I got to just, you know, do that to everyone else. So they kind of form this weird, unique bond Mm. in this California's men prison. And then that's when they start coming up with this idea, okay, when we get out, and at the time when Norris got out, he was living with his mother, and they were still coming up with this idea, let's really do this. Let's really go and abduct and rape these women. Right. Like they, they, I mean, it's it's crazy because they, they were like, okay, let's do this. Let's, it's like having a business plan. Okay, it's like, let's do this podcast. Okay, here's what we got to do. Patreon, whatever. They're like, okay, let's fucking rape these women. Here's what we got to do. Buy a van, whatever. It's fucking crazy if you think about it. They view it as like a business plan. <laughs> exactly. And you have Lawrence Bitteker as the high IQ one making all the the firm decisions and then you have Roy Norris like oh yeah I can't wait to fucking rip her nipples off I mean it's fucking nuts man 
So who you're looking at now is Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris side by side. He really does look like Tony Wonder. So Bittaker was the one with the highest IQ and a little bit about the MO. They decided the San Gabriel Mountains is the best place to dump the bodies. They would actually pick up the majority of their hitchhikers from the Redondo Beach in California. They claim to have up to 20 dry runs, which is probably accurate of the 500 plus Polaroids they found mm. some of the victims I wouldn't say victims obviously they they made it out okay but they have never been identified why wouldn't you call them victims because they weren't raped or whatever they were just the dry runs they, they you know come on in smoke some weed let me take a picture and then I'll drop you off type of thing uh, so, so no assault no, no assault yeah that's what I mean so there's a lot of polaroids that so would you call them targets instead yeah maybe? targets yeah but they were, have never been identified even to this day i would still and, call uh, them a victim well, even if they weren't sexually assaulted because they were dry runs yeah yeah no well you know you know what i'm saying go on so their mo was they would pick up these girls and offer them marijuana it was a time obviously the 70s and let's see the goal for them, they actually talked about this goal, was they wanted to rape, torture, and mutilate a girl of each age between 13 and 17. So they wanted to do a 13, a 14, 15, 16, and a 17-year-old. Why did they pick those ages? Because they're fucking per perverts. And fucking <laughs> I guess that's fair. All right, let's go on to the next murder. All right, this one, we're going to talk about a, a twofer here. This is... Jackie Gilliam, she is, how old do you think she is on the left there? 15. Yeah, she's 15. And her friend, her best friend, Leah Lamp. 14. 13. Oh. That's a 13-year-old girl right there. They look she, older. She, yeah, than... she does look a lot older. Why do they look older than they are? It is it a I mean, the makeup, it's maybe. thing? I made like, the makeup. I mean, her yeah, hair is no. all done. I mean, I feel like maybe they look because of the the time period they look different. I don't know. Does that? I make don't know. Sense? But that girl is thirteen years old right there, and she is still a virgin, as you're about to see. Uh, so this is September second, nineteen seventy nine, is where we're going tonight. They were both hiking near Redondo Beach, September. So they're gonna go get some sun. They were offered marijuana, and they accepted a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. I mean, what are you going to expect, really? So as soon as they got into the van, immediately Roy Norris hits Leah Lamp, the 13-year-old, with a plastic bag, and this is from the actual court appeal, a plastic bag filled with weights. Ooh. So, uh, you know, paperweights, 5-pound, uh, 10-pound, whatever, Slaps her over the head with it, the back of the head. She goes unconscious, obviously. She wakes up, tries to escape. Roy Norris jumps out of the van. This is in broad daylight. Keep in mind. Twists her arm behind her back and basically pulls her back into the van. Slams her back into the van. Shit just got real. Y'all all having fun. Now we down to business. Oh, we're not having fun. <sighs> all right. If you want to read this, is from the. If you want to read this, is from the Bitteker ver, uh, People versus Bitteker, nineteen eighty nine. Neither Bitteker nor Norris was sexually interested in Lamp. Bitteker set out to rape Gilligan, 
Learning that she was a virgin, he set up a tape recorder to record her cries during the rape. No. After Norris also raped Gilligan, he retired the girls and all remained in the van overnight. So now they're in the San Gabriel Mountains. So they abducted these girls. They were willing to come in. Yeah. You got marijuana? Fuck yeah. As soon as they got in, the Norris and Bittaker start driving, but they didn't go to their destination. They took the off-road going towards the mountains. The 13 and 15-year-old girl, they, I mean, it's like, where are you going? You're not going the right way. They kind of know what's going on. Oh, shit. We fucked up. We shouldn't have got in this van. And then that's when it starts going on. They get to the San Gabriel Mountains and they decide to take the girls overnight, overnight camping trip there in the Gabriel Mountains. They're going to rape the girls overnight and then decide what to do in the morning. Now, they did give the youngest one at maybe both, but they did give the 13 year old sedatives to kind of keep her calm and make her not run. They actually take turns sleeping, Roy, Norris, and Bittaker. They take turns sleeping. The next morning, Bittaker takes the 13-year-old, Leah Lamp, up to the hill. He's got his Polaroid camera, and he uh, he actually forces her to suck his dick. And, I mean, she's never done this before. Oh, so. yeah, you're 13 years old. God. Yeah. And like you, you're like you're literally not in high school yet. Like yeah. how dare you? Yeah, that this is, is very that upsetting. Is well, they did want you know. a 13 year old. I don't this care is, what they fucking. I, want. I know, I know, but I'm saying like this is, you know, they had an 18 year old, which was too old. But now they have a 13 too and a 15, old. so now they need a 14 and a 16. You know what yeah. they need? They need to be in fucking prison. That's what they. Amen. And this is from the appeal right here. Quote, upon returning, Bittaker arranged for Norris to take a series of photographs of him with Gilliam, the 15-year-old, beginning with them clothes on, then nude, then during intercourse and oral copulation, end quote. They actually returned to the van and the girls were on sedatives. This was in the morning. They go to get some fast food. They return to the same place in San Gabriel Mountains. They assure the girls that everything's going to be fine and they're going to be set free. And then Bittaker takes Jackie Gillian, Gilliam, the 15-year-old, outside of the van. He also brings with him a new tool that we haven't talked about yet from the, from the toolbox, an ice pick. And if you want to read this. Defendant then took Gilliam out of the van and killed her, first thrusting an ice pick through her ear into her brain, then choking her. Oh, no. So the 15-year-old, she was promised that she would live. He takes her out. The 13-year-old's still inside the van on sedatives. He immediately takes an ice pick, which you're seeing now, the the, uh, ice pick there, Forces it, shoves it inside of her brain, and she's not dead yet. I mean, obviously, her entire neural functions are completely fucked. 
you know, but she's not dead. She's a vegetable, probably. He starts choking her with the ice pick inside of her ear Mm -mm. until she is dead. So, if you want to read this. Becca returned to the van, aroused Lip, who had been forced to take tranquilizers to keep her quiet, and as she stepped out of the van, struck her with the sledgehammer. Bittaker choked Lamp while Nora struck her with a hammer until she was dead. The men threw both bodies over the embankment. Now, when they found the corpses, the skeletal remains, the ice pick was still, and this is from the appeal, quote, embedded it was basically fused with her skull. Mm. That's how hard he shoved it in there. It was f- literally a part of her skull. Mm-mm. You you try to pull the ice pick out, the whole skull breaks apart. So not only that, the 13-year-old, she was hit with the sledgehammer. Her skull actually had several dents. So if you think of your skull... It's this bone mass. It's one think of the of hardest it, bones. Yeah, think of it just dented. Mm-mm. Like maybe you get hit with a, uh, I don't know, like a big old uh, wrecking ball or something just dents your skull. There's There were dents in her skull from getting hit with a sledgehammer. The remains of them were discovered on February 9th, 1980, and... Like I said, Gilliam's skull still had the ice pick embedded in it. It was fused in it. And Lamp's skull had the dents still inside or still a part of her skull. So that that is, I'm going to kind of let you guys relax here. That was, there was one other murder that we didn't cover. But what we did cover tonight was the the... We started with the most gruesome and last murder. Then we went to the first murder. And then we went to the two for murder where they picked up two girls. So there was one other. And it was very similar. So how are they caught? That's a really good question. They were actually caught because Norris, Roy Norris, sees a prison buddy, an old time friend, and he starts bragging about it, bragging about the rapes, showing the photographs. Look at all these photographs. I was doing this, that, and the other to her. And he, this guy, whoever he was, went to the police and was like, this is fucked up. This guy is killing these young girls, yada, yada, yada. And it's actually funny because Roy Norris was put under police surveillance as he should be. But here's the thing with these guys. Right after the last murder, what we talked about of Shirley, they had a a murder attempt, a rape attempt that went sour and the the female got away. So they were already under the radar. So now he starts bragging. This person comes forward, tells the police he's under surveillance. And it's, it's actually funny because... He gets caught under surveillance selling weed, and that's how he's arrested. They have to arrest him because he's doing something illegal. They arrest him, which is good, because now he can't murder anyone else, and now they just got to build a case. So that's how it works. So they, they have him held up. Now they got to build the murder case, and immediately Roy Norris 
turns on Bitteker. This guy made me do all this stuff. He's the mastermind. He did all this stuff. I was just a pawn. I'm the dumb guy. He wanted to do all this stuff. You know, he was the leader type of stuff. So they, they didn't have any camaraderie as far as friendship. I mean, they were, really weren't friends that long to begin with. You know, only a couple of years. But immediately, t- Roy Norris turned on his buddy there, saying he was the mastermind. He did everything. You know, I was just along for the ride type of thing. Even though he's the one that was sexually yeah, pulling the... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, that's just what it is. So they were both released around the same time. Did I miss that? From released? jail? Didn't you say that Bideker... No, they met in jail. They met in right, prison. Right, but were they released around the same time? Yeah, so they actually... That's a good question. Yeah. They planned this whole thing in prison... And then it was literally, okay, you get out. And it was about a year for the other one to get out. But it, you know, they planned this and then one of them waited for the other one to get out type of shit. I mean, what the fuck? Like, he literally waited a year and then they bought the van. I mean, they were like looking forward to this the whole fucking time. Yeah, I mean, like, that's like, I mean, this is, and I am not trying to be insensitive by saying this but that's like when you're an adult and you see a friend and it's like oh my god we need to get coffee but then you never get coffee you're made up and make plans like you wait a whole year to like murder someone and rape someone that's like it's just like pathetic you know what i'm saying to yeah i i get i get exactly what you're saying yeah so if you want to uh well this is um it's from a local paper here Sex torture slayer sentenced to death. So this is Bitteker they're talking about. So, Convicted rapist murderer Lawrence Sigmund Bitteker had been sentenced to the gas chamber by a judge who said there was absolutely no question as to his guilt in the gruesome 1979 for torture and slaying of five teenage girls. Norris started bragging to an old prison friend, like I said. They arrested him November 20th, 1979 for selling weed because they had him under surveillance. And they had a, I guess their protocol was if he's doing something illegal, they have to take him in. So they took him in and he ratted out his friend Bitteker. He actually took a, a plea deal. 45 years. Whoa. Which, if you can count... Ended it's about here. now? It was about a few years ago. Oh, fuck! So about a few years ago, he was, uh, you know... No, he, he's... he's Ready to get out. No. <laughs> so um, let me talk about Bitteker. He filed more than 40 frivolous complaints. He was the no. one... He, he was got death row. So one got death penalty, and the other one got 45 Norris. years. Yeah, Norris, the one that was sexual, deviant, got 45 years. Bitteker got death penalty, but he filed up to 40 frivolous lawsuits, including one that was cruel and unusual punishment. Do you want to guess what that was? What happened in that instance? What happened? Take a guess. What did they do to him? For cruel and unusual punishment of an inmate. Probed him? They gave him a prostate exam? He he went to get his lunch tray. No, I'm not making this up. His chocolate chip cookie was broken in half. 
<laughs> I'm gonna fucking punt it. Cunt this guy. Did you say cut punt? Yeah. He, he filed. He filed. Cr- now this is this is a. I feel like that is underutilized in today's society. It is, but it's not funny unless you're talking about something like this shit. And we're deserved. Yeah, he was. He was a nuisance to the court system. He filed a cruel and unusual unusual punishment lawsuit. That's like a Tolstoy statement. Because his Legitimately, cookie... crime and punishment. <laughs> Leo fucking Tolstoy. His, his cookie was broken, which had to be fucking oh, pissed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, My cookie get, is broken. Uh, next next time we record, I need to bring you guys those oh. twisted sugar cookies. Well, so, so here's how they do it, man. So, so here's how they do it. If you're on death row, you file all these complaints, you know, to get, to kind of prolong your 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 weight to death Mm -hmm. anyway eventually he got which i've never heard of this before uh he was deemed of excuse me if i'm pronouncing this wrong but a vexed uh vex vexedacious uh, let me spell it v-e-x-a-t-i-o-u-s litigant vexedious litigant he was he was labeled that, if you will, in 1993. So any, and what that means is, if you, if a defendant, uh, someone on death row, Bedeker, for example, files all these frivolous lawsuits, for instance, my cookie is broken, unusual punishment type of shit. Once they hit the 40th kind of bullshit filing, they are pronounced a vestious litigant. And every appeal that they they pursue from this point has to be approved by a judge before it is even allowed to hit the system. Does that make sense? Yeah. So after this, obviously the judge was like, no, 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 go fuck yourself. You know, just wait to die type of shit. So he was a nuisance, if you will, which was kind of good because that's how we got the uh, a lot of the. Uh, public released, you know, uh, story that we told tonight type of thing. But anyway, he actually died on death row in December 13th, 2019. (laughs) He was 79. (laughs) He died on death row fucking two years ago. (laughs) Fucking Norris was sentenced 45 years. He was actually... Well, up for parole a couple years ago. Was it approved? <laughs> he died of natural causes on February 24th, 2020. <laughs> natural causes. Basically, they fucking killed him. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> he was about to get out. <laughs> he was about to get out last year. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm confused. He was about to get out, but he was yeah, because he got sentenced to 45 years, and so that shit was up. So the 45th year was coming up, and he died. He's of saying. natural causes. He died. <laughs> he died. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm totally cool with. Oh. <laughs> That's all it said was natural causes. That's all I could find. Natural causes. Well. Fucking AKA fucking beating a pulp. <laughs> oh shit. Anyway. Here's these fucking assholes in prison. <laughs> Look at these shitheads. 
Holy. So, man, luckily, they, they literally, I mean, Bitteker died in 2019 awaiting death penalty. I mean, 2019, motherfucker, they did this shit in 78 before I was fucking born. This shit it's, was 40 fucking years ago. It's, it's a long and slow process. <laughs> yeah, but what the fuck? 40 years? <laughs> what the fuck? The other guy had 45 years in prison, and he died the year he was going to get out of natural causes. <laughs> what the fuck? Come on, man. Is this fucking crazy? <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> Shit. Yes. <laughs> well, good uh, riddance. I'm glad that they have both passed uh, over the Rainbow Bridge. Both yeah. of them, right? Yeah. They're both dead. Both of them. Both of them mm, dead. Good riddance. Last year, man, I mean, he was about to get out. I mean, he was Shit. about to get out. That's why I saw natural causes, man. I mean, 72 is old. But fuck, my grand yeah. my grandpa's like ninety five. Right, he's still fucking yeah. kicking, dude. Yeah. And seventy two, I'm thinking, man, they fucking off that dude. Seventy two is mean, not the young. It's man. not. It's old, but it's young. Right. But thank it's God, an interesting, man. Yeah. I mean, fuck that guy. Look what he did, and he took a plea deal. You understand, <sighs> like. He basically, they were both involved 100%. They right. both planned this, everything. He just said that, oh, no, he Bittaker made me do this. He was the their, mastermind. Their most recent mugshots is a stark cry from who they looked like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the mugshots right here, you have Roy Norris on the left, very mad-looking guy, very bald, old, old just... I mean, it's hard to describe. His eyes are just slanted. He's just mad at the world. That date that that photo was taken was 06-2018. So what, July, June, July, June April. 5th. June 5th, 2018. June 5th, 2018. And then Bedeker on the right there, uh, about the same. June 12th, 07. Yeah, 07. And he actually died first, waiting for death row. Roy Norris died last fucking year, thank God, from natural causes. I mean, if you want to dive into that, go ahead. I mean, I didn't. Natural causes seems great to me. It's better than him getting out. (laughs) Fuck. You know? That's the fucking toolbox killers. Wow. Roy Norris and Lawrence Sigmund Bittaker. Any questions? No very violent people. Good riddance. Yes. So anyway, that is Talk More to Me, uh, episode 222. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Go to talkmore.com to see the blog post. If you enjoy this episode and you want to become our patron, go to talkmurder.com slash join. You'll be transferred over to patron.com, patreon.com, and you can join our membership. And we do private videos for you guys our last one was the death row granny and we do ask me anything types of videos and stuff like that and exclusive content so that is tonight's story and my name is john and i'm here with jen and nicole until night and until next time good night you lovely lovely people